0: back to the History in the Bible. I'm Jeff Johnson and with me of course is my mother Rebecca and today we're going to continue talking about civilizations that left from the Tower of Babel, namely China. We're going to be talking yes. about the beginnings of China and the first dynasty, the first emperor, uh, a lot of the achievements that are credited to the Chinese, um, some interesting things about that. Uh, I don't have a Bible verse for this one. Uh, This is just straight history. Uh, So let's dive right into it.
1: Yes, I'm afraid that China isn't exactly mentioned (laughs) in the Bible. Yeah, they're
0: kind of (laughs) their own separate part of history, but a part of history nonetheless.
1: Yes. So we're going to talk about China, and I realize that in this day and age 2021, the only thing people want to say about China is bad, but let's recall that...
0: Until the communists took over, China had a rich history. Yeah. The, throughout history they've been really a driving force in a lot of discoveries of science. Um, mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, they discovered the gunpowder, uh, of course the silk trade was all them, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of different and very unique things about the Chinese uh, that they ke- kept on bringing forth and, and making the world. Uh, A better place and a more interesting place for sure.
1: Yes. So (sighs) I hate well I just hate communism communism and and we'll see as we go through and more and more communism creeps in. Communism is not new but communism destroys culture. It destroys people. And so we need to think of China in this text pre-communism. Okay. So the Chinese civilization would settle around the Yellow River and this is fascinating because they could have settled near the Yangtze, which is closer to the Tower of Babel from a walking standpoint. So this is interesting because it presents a possibility that in fact they sailed yeah. to their new home. We know in future Chinese history, we'll talk about it, that they had huge naval fleets. They were very much seafaring people from the beginning. Yeah. So why couldn't they have sailed?
0: And, and it's, it's also, um, of course, everybody came from the Ark. So they, they would have at least, you know, they would have known about the Ark and had that knowledge of building ships, whether there were many <clears throat> lakes or rivers around the Tower of Babel itself, uh does not necessarily affect their ability to build a boat. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we remember looking at the Harappan Society and the Egyptians. These are very intelligent people. Um, and when they leave and go off to do their own things, a lot of these things that they weren't necessarily building around the Tower of Babel because of a, a lack of, in this case, water perhaps, does not mean that they couldn't have and didn't have the knowledge to. And so it's very likely or very, it could be probable that they built the boats, they went to a certain point, built some boats, and then sailed on. Uh, And we'll see later on down the road, uh, lots of people do end up doing this uh, to populate the, um, the Pacific Ocean Islands. Right. And they'll build a lot of boats very quickly after the tower, and, and swing in there and 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 start inhabiting those islands. So it's very possible. And again, the Chinese very quickly built up a a big navy, um, and yes. <laughs> first major navy I think in the world. So or after the very, flood,
1: the Chinese have so much that they offer. Now it is interesting. They are a descendant of Shem. <laughs> We already talked last week about the hairpin and the fact that the hairpin possibly did not take the false religion with them, that that maybe they were the group that carried the truth of the gospel with them. Unfortunately, the Chinese didn't completely. Um, It's interesting though, in many of the writings that we'll see as we go through history, uh, the Chinese very much were, they were very religious, and they were religious towards the right, um, I don't quite know how to put it, instead of following the whole paganism of the Tower of Babel. They follow what was right to a degree but not far enough and we're gonna see that as we go along. They do the f- a
0: weird mixing.
1: Yes they do. The first, um, not Emperor, um, yes Emperor, the first founder that gets the credit is Huangdi the Yellow Emperor. Now, it's interesting I want to, to put a little bit here as you study history if you choose to get into um, reading books I know readings not popular anymore but it's very important oh, it's... um if you choose to read um, or research keep in mind a couple of things number one verbal legend is as much a part of history as written history mm-hmm. both written and verbal histories have opinions have views of the author and none of it is 100% pure yeah we are not good as humans at writing down pure fact and nothing else so you need to keep that in mind as you study and of course also remember that a lot of the resources available to us are from an evolutionary standpoint where they do not believe people were advanced so you're gonna get a real bad mix oh yeah so the yellow Emperor Huangdi is one of the argued in modern day writing. They argue that Huangdi, was he real? Was he not real? I believe he was a real man. Ancient Chinese writing lists him as a real person who became a legend because he was so amazing. Now he's credited with the Chinese language. What they mean by that, what the ancient Chinese, not what modern people mean, but what the ancient Chinese mean is that he took the language established at the Tower of Babel And yes, I do believe that ancient Chinese was one of the languages established at the Tower of Babel. Pretty much every language we speak today was established at the Tower of Babel. It's just morphed over the years. So, um, I think maybe Tolkien is the only one that has a language that he invented afterward. And amazingly, people can speak that language and they barely speak their own correctly. So there we go. That's a little teacher moment for you. But, um, (laughs) but... The ancient Chinese writing gave him the credit. What it means is he was the one that took the sounds coming out of his mouth, out of the mouths of his family, and created the character to represent the sound or the word. And if I understand Chinese correctly, I do not read Chinese. Um, A little bit more complicated than I can get into. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But each word has a character. And then you mm-hmm. blend characters to create other words or phrases. Okay, so Huangdi Di was the one that created the original character list, and Chinese is one of the purest languages to this day, as far as re- remaining set to that standard yeah. of characterizations.
0: Which they is really haven't, fascinating. I mean, the Chinese written language and the spoken, I, I assume, uh, has changed right. through the years but not that much. If you look at modern Chinese and you look at ancient Chinese, uh you'll still be able to recognize it as Chinese. <laughs> um there they might be some differences um and, and changes here and there. Uh I again, I don't speak Chinese either, so I don't I'm, I'm not that familiar with what changes have or have not occurred in the language, <laughs> but it is still recognizable as a language. So it's a very um, consistent language and, right. and something that is a remnant from the Tower of Babel.
1: And it's why I, I think it's cool. Really, uh, it, there, sometimes I wish I could read Chinese because if you could get into the ancient writings, you'd probably have a much greater insight into the world back then than we do. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, under communism, those kind of documents have been locked away because they would refer to religion which communism does not allow. So like I said, communism kills culture, flat. Yes. uh, Anyhow, he also was uh, credited with the bow, the arrow, drums, string musical instruments used in Chinese music and mathematics. Now, I wanna say that more than likely, the musical instruments and the mathematics would have come from the Tower of Babel. Here's why. Mm -hmm. We saw the exact same thing in Egypt. We saw the exact same thing in Mesopotamia. Now we didn't get into it in the Heropin Society, but I imagine that the music and we know the mathematics was there. So mathematics came from the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Music came from the Tower of Babel. Music and religion go hand in hand. They always have. Music and worship. Music and humans. If you are struggling, now I'm going to say this right now, we are conservative Christians. We listen to conservative Mm -hmm. Christian music, and we have a reason for that biblically. If you do not know, number one, why you listen to your music, or number two, what is conservative Christian music? and What what does she mean by that? I suggest that you get to Mm -hmm. Majesty Music. They have a website, and they have amazing music. And then they have a book called Music in the Balance by Frank Garlock. Um, It's Mm co-written, Frank Garlock and another man whose name has escaped me. And... um, (laughs) It's an amazing book. And there's, there's <coughs> Shelley Hamilton has also written a book, Why I Don't Believe in Contemporary Why I Don't Listen to Contemporary Christian Music. Get it, yep. learn, figure it out. But music very has good always books. been there. So very good. But Huang Di also has something very interesting. His wife, he actually had four or five according to legend,
0: yeah.
1: uh, invented Le Zhu. Discovered, not invented, she discovered how to use the silk from the silkworm to create the fabric silk. This is going to be massive in Chinese History, this is important in their trade industry.
0: Yeah, forever. (laughs) Most of the oriental trade uh, around Marco Polo's time was over uh, the silks and then some spices, but Mm-hmm. This was, uh, and still is, one of the kind of key aspects of like the high and wealthy, you know? Right. You think of silk even still today and it's something to be um, to be sought after because it's so <laughs> unique, it's so soft. Yeah. It's, uh, everybody wants something that's
1: silk. Real silk, not polyester uh, So this blend. was a,
0: yeah. <laughs> Real silk. Uh, and so it, it's still today something of, of a, really? a really high value. Absolutely. Um, and so this was massive for, for Chinese, uh, especially Chinese trade, because mm-hmm. uh, they could sell this everywhere and it, it's pretty expensive. Right.
1: It is. Now, we talked about Huangdi. He would have probably been the head of the family that left the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. as in the oldest male member of the family who left the tower of babel and helped them establish there at the yellow river in china now let's talk about the first dynasty the shia dynasty xia shia dynasty was established around 2070 bc the founder of the dynasty was yu yu Yu, and he has been credited and This is interesting, for working very tirelessly on controlling the flooding of the Yellow River, which would destroy crops if it floods at the wrong time. So he was a bit of a scientist. Yeah, a little bit. He worked 13 years straight, and according to legend, he never went home in that 13 years. So, he did end up controlling the flooding, which then gave him the power the notoriety to conquer nearby dynasties or dynasties i'm sorry nearby um tribes, tribes or
0: groups, groups of
1: people thus creating a little empire creating the first chinese group wherein you went and conquered and brought in Huang Di just brought him to the land set him down got Chinese written down yeah, and then more than likely as his family grew they would splinter off into their own little tribes. Mm-hmm. So what happened was Yu is the one that brings the tribes into a unifying force once again under one central leader and creates the Shia dynasty. He is also credited for establishing dynastic law in which a kingdom is Sent from father to son, and that's interesting right. because then we see this dynastic law throughout all of Europe.
0: Oh yeah, the monarchs of all the European countries are dynastic or um, Ex- Exactly. and not people. Which would indicate then
1: that China had been able to has influenced from the beginning which means they were trading with all
0: these cultures in Europe. And and we looked, yeah, we looked last week at the Hairpin Society and we know that they had trade with Egypt and with China. It's very likely they had trade uh, Mm -hmm. with Europe or maybe trade from Egypt with Europe that kind of snaked its way back through. The, I believe, you know, everybody left from one central point they all know that there's all these different groups walking around and resettling it's it's it it's not that big of a jump to to realize that they would have quickly established trades you know we see china had the silk industry this is something the egyptians or even the harapin society couldn't have access to this was something very unique to china and each area has its own unique thing and so they'd Create trade routes to for the same reason we have trade routes today to get one thing from one place to the other that the one place doesn't have, and so the trade routes would have been I think very extensive and then eventually died out and then reestablished um, cause as the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun these things always you know being formed being broken being reformed being rebroken uh until you get to the modern day and we're still forming new trade alliances and breaking <laughs> exactly. trade alliances. It's, it's,
1: yeah. Nothing's new. So China brought a lot of this in. We know they sailed very quickly. Um, I, I'm trying not to like give away spoilers about what's coming in the future, but <laughs> China is going to be far more of a player in world history than people realize. China is going to influence the world in a powerful way. It still does today. It is a big player in the world today. And um, unfortunately today it's under a very-
0: Especially in the trade still.
1: Unfortunately today we're dealing with a China under a very, very pagan and wicked anti-God government. Um, And evil often comes, well, it always comes when you live like that. So that is a tragedy, but China did have a very unique start and next time we're coming down to the end and I I don't want to jump into the next zone, but next time we are going to be talking about, so we left the Tower of Babel, and we pretty much have headed east to China. So we're going to let the Pacific Ocean kind of be our stop point for that. We're going to come back to it. Don't worry.
0: It's an easy stopping point.
1: (laughs) But now we're going to head from the Tower (laughs) of Babel kind of north and west into Europe. Um, And then we're going to also talk about the Americas, which most people don't realize comes into play still. We're still literally just coming out of the Tower of Babel. All of this, just to remind you, is we're still within five to ten years max from the moment that God split the languages, and all this is happening, so we haven't yeah. gone that far out. Now I realize that I, you know, I gave a date for the first dynasty of China, and he was obviously emperor for a while. But Huangdi, we're talking about Huangdi here, the the establisher of China. His family group would have landed there within the first five years max, probably more like the first couple mm-hmm. of, you know, for in the first year to the first year and a half. And established at the exact yeah. same time as the Harappan, as the exact same time as Mesopotamia, as the exact same time as Egypt, and and you really just have to understand all of this is going on at the exact moment, all over at the same time, and we haven't left a five-year period out of the Tower of Babel yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, like, and you know, some of the cities and and the building of the the larger group of of. Uh, you know people of course that's going to take a little bit more time because you've got to yes reproduce so we understand that that takes a little bit and the full cities as we see them now that will take a little bit more time but even then you're only talking about
1: max. 50 years
0: maybe you know <laughs> max to build like you know it, this is real quick stuff and as time progresses they grow Larger and larger, and this is where you start getting into right. wars and destruction of, of civilizations, whatever. But all of this is within a, a, mm-hmm. a lifetime, easy. Um, and and this is all just right. right out the bat. Um, everything that we've talked about for I think past yes, three I think weeks, so. I think now, it, it, this is all within five, ten years. <laughs> um, yeah, and and the next the the next couple of weeks still after this is still going to mm-hmm. be within that five to ten year period um because i mean they're just you got several family groups and they're just running out and starting their their civilizations or what have you so, very
1: very fun very quick so we look forward to it next time europe let's head to europe
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> always been a fun yes. group of people though watch as very warring groups um uh but yes fun nonetheless so we'll talk about them in the beginnings of several of the groups there i think you'll enjoy it i know we will we hope to see you there we hope you enjoyed this week's talk on china if you have any questions you can of course email us at the bible in history at gmail.com or you can drop a comment in the comment section of youtube we'd love to try to answer those questions and Help you understand this a little bit more. We'll see you next week.
1: If you enjoyed today's video, please like and subscribe to our channel.
0: You can also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Audible and Google Podcasts.